Well, welcome back to Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we're here this morning at Evie Mays out in Wolferth. Wolf? 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 Wolferth. Wolferth. Okay. We'll get that before the end of the show. That was that, funny when I said it. <laughs> that was Arnest Robbins, um, owner and pit master at Evie Mays. And we're here this morning in the pit room. Um, we'll go over, uh, Arnest, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the, kind of the history, um, your history, um, getting into this pit design. Uh, one of the most unique things is uh, you build your own pits here, um, and they're a different design than we've seen anywhere else. Um, but kind of going back, um, you and Mallory are from New Mexico or grew up in New Mexico? We are. I, I grew up in Portales, New Mexico, which is a small town on the, on the eastern border of New Mexico. And, and Mallory grew up in Clovis, which is about 15 miles north. Um, but, but growing up, we, uh, you know, Lubbock was the city that we came to for, for weekend shopping trips and back-to-school stuff and, and if we just wanted to get away. So we, we were very familiar with the area growing up. Um, from, from there, I, I grew up on the farm, and, and through that, I, I think that's kind of my uh, farm engineering background kind of developed. Uh, and... I, we didn't grow up around barbecue or anything like that. It, that was back in the day when it was hard to come by good meat, even in a in a small rural area at a, at a grocery store. So we didn't grow up eating a lot of barbecue. Um, but I do remember traveling. We have family around Bastrop and, and Houston, and, and anytime we'd be on the road, we always would end up somewhere for barbecue. So at the time, I, I didn't think anything of it. Barbecue is barbecue. Um, but... Uh, Left home, ended up out at uh, in Tucson, going to to a landscape design school in '06, and went to work for a company out there. Eventually, started my own company out there in 2010, and we were uh, we were blowing and going, doing landscape service work, and everything was was good. And there was a uh, a propane tank came up on Craigslist. Um, to go back a little bit before that, so somewhere in there I bought an electric uh, cabinet smoker and uh, tinkered around with that for a little while and, and about six or seven months after that, a, uh, a Smoke and Tex electric smoker came up on Craigslist, which was a huge step up. So I got that and I, I started cooking, I may have cooked four or five briskets on that electric cabinet. Um, and. I don't know if you've ever cooked on an electric smoker, but it's it's nowhere. It, it's a very surface, superficial smoke flavor. Almost, you know, basically an oven, really. Right. Yeah, it it would be like throwing wood chips in an oven, basically. Um, so, you know, that was fun to to tinker with, and I thought it was barbecue at the time. And and being in Tucson, there really wasn't anything to compare it to. So, uh, we uh, we made a lot of brisket chili with with leftover bad brisket back then. Um, but that I was always interested in it. Once I started, I mean, it was it never it wasn't a novelty item that I used a couple of times and then you know put away. It was something that any any time I thought that I had the time to, to cook something, I I started on the electric smoker. Um, well, this propane tank, I I think I found it in January of fourteen, maybe, and. Um, the guy I called on it and he said somebody somebody had already called him and was gonna buy it and I told him oh man you know I, I was gonna build I wanted to build a smoker out of it and um, he he 
said he'd let me know if he came across any more. Well, he called me back like two hours later, and he said, hey, I was thinking about it. I don't know anything about this tank, and I don't know if I want somebody actually putting gas in it. So I, I'm happy to sell it to you knowing that you're not going to use it for propane. So I went and got the tank, and we lived in a... Uh, in a what, what size was that one? That was a 320. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big one a to start size, with, yeah. It was a good size tank, and it was a really cool size tank because it was... Uh, to my understanding, it was a vertical in-ground tank, like a home supply tank, but they would build a little vault and drop it down. So the the end cap had all your valves on it. So it would set up vertical, but it was, um, I want to say it was about 30, maybe 31 inches diameter. And it was long then. So it was kind of long, and, long and, and lean. And it lended itself well to the reverse flow build. Um, and, and let's talk about that. So you have a background on the farm, you did, welding to keep the equipment running right. so you had a little background in that you got this pit how did you decide again reverse flow so, and decide how to do that so i got on and did some very basic google research and and i came across a cross-section diagram of a reverse flow pit that somebody else was building and to me not having ever cooked on a on a con conventional offset it made sense to me it made sense that the the backflow plate would be there to to create some radiant heat and and more mass to equalize, you know, internal temperature or, uh, you know, cabinet temperatures. Um, and it, it looked like something that I would be able to operate more so than, you know, here's your fire, here's your, here's your cook chamber and, and, you know, what keeps that flame from cooking everything on the first two racks. So uh, I, I went about building a reverse flow smoker as my first. And so were you, were you welding often back then, or was this kind of like your introduction we, okay, of really getting so, back into it? From so in, in the landscaping business, again, I, I'm a tinkerer. I don't know at times if, if half the stuff I'm doing is, or is stuff that we really need or if it's just an excuse for me to tinker with something. All right. um, what, what was Mallory's reaction when you said, I'm oh, buying this 300-gallon Well, it wasn't near the reaction uh, as whenever I showed up with the first food trailer that I got <laughs> off Craigslist. We'll get to that. Um, but... You know, my neighbors thought I was nuts. Um, we, I had this tank on the back of a trailer. We lived in a, a track home neighborhood. Our lot was like 11,000 square feet. And so my neighbor comes over and with his four-wheeler and drags the tank off the back of the trailer in our side yard. And I looked at that thing for about a week trying to figure out what to do to cut into it. Because I didn't know the history on it. I didn't know if it had still had any gas. I mean, I, I could tell it didn't have any liquid in it, but, you know, vapors will last forever. My, my brother uh, is a welder by trade, and he's told me about that first cut in some of those propane tanks. They'll jump. They'll jump high if you don't uh, if you don't take care. Oh, I've I've heard I've heard worse stories than that about. I mean, you know, not there's not much left of somebody if if you make the, <laughs> the wrong move at that point. Um, so I again I I went back to Google, and there were a couple different recommended ways to go about that. But I ended up filling it up with water, and. Uh, I filled it up with water and drained it and filled it up again. At that point, mostly just to, you know, I, in hopes of kind of cleaning it out. The, that uh, steel is so impregnated at that point with, with the odorant that it's, at the, at the time, I didn't know if we'd if ever be able to get it out. But um, anyway, cut it up and that was all good. And I, I put that thing together. I'd come home from work and, and I'd get as much time in as I could and, and on the weekends and I try to get it together. Well, my, I had a buddy that was going to have a bachelor weekend in Albuquerque, uh, the middle of March. And I think this was, you know, early February, whenever I got started on this thing. 
And that became the new goal to have this, this trailer unit done so that I could take it to Albuquerque and we were going to cook a whole pig. Had you cooked whole pigs before? Oh, no. no. So, so a brand new pit you're going to build out of some plans you've kind of halfway found, a, a pit you're going to cut into for the first time, and you're going to cook a pig for the first this time. This is how all Why successful not? barbecue ventures start. I mean, that's live and learn. Um, so I ended up getting, getting the smoker ready about three or four days before the trip, and I cooked two briskets in it and a chicken just for fun, and... Um, that was, those were the first briskets that I ever cooked on, on a fired pit. And, um, they probably came off at, at the, uh, internet favorite 195 internal temp and they were way undercooked. Um, so we, we made brisket chili again. Um, but I took the pit to Albuquerque. I had made arrangements with a, a butcher shop there in the valley to pick up a, a little suckling pig and we got that and woke up the next day and put it on with two more briskets and I was cooking at the internet favorite 225 and it took I mean that takes weeks this was a was the buddy married by the time that the well it, it was I, I want to say it was a 35 or 40 pound pig I mean it was a small pig and we put that thing on at six o'clock in the morning and we didn't eat till 1045 that night <laughs> and uh but it it was good um we all thought it was good. We, we had devoted our day to it, and, and we really enjoyed it. And it was, it was that meal and that trip and the fun that, that I had standing around all day with you know high school buddies that I hadn't been around in a while that really kind of drove the idea of this, this could be something. You know, this, this, this I, don't, I couldn't see at the time uh, me ever getting tired of, of that experience so um well with one you know one a couple of briskets and one pig it seems easy almost right yeah if you, if you could just get it to pay then everybody do it um so get back i i, I think i called well you know I, I called mallory on the way home I, I called my parents i called one of my cousins and told them about this you know, man this was awesome Every, everybody loved it they said it was the best thing they ever had i think i got a future in barbecue and uh get back to tucson and start just looking, just for fun, just just looking at at, at health department requirements uh, for having a food trailer, and it, it was long and lengthy. And about, it wasn't long after that trip, I noticed this guy set up on the side of the road with a, a Sonoran pit, so open open fire with a, a adjustable grate, and he's cooking tri-tip on the side of the road. Kind of like a Santa Maria style, where yeah, they yeah. Right, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's actually what I meant, the San Marino pit. Um, and he's selling tri-tip, and he's cooking pork spare ribs and sausage and beans on the side of the road on an uncovered, unscreened tent, uh, a pit. And then he's got a tent set up next door, like a pop-up. And he's got this little bitty poster that said, um, uh, participating in something-something flower show. So I, I went up there one day and I just picked his brain a little bit and he said, no, I can get this special permit. There was, there was a flower expo within like a five mile radius. <laughs> so he had pulled a temporary permit under that, uh, that event and he was set up on the side of the road. That's a nice loophole. Yeah. So, but you know, that was, that was good for four or five days. Well, at the time he told me, no, we're, we're going to figure out a way to, to be more permanent. But I mean, people were lined up like crazy buying meat from that guy. So 
I, I go to Craigslist, and I come across this... Uh, now, now, have you sold... You haven't sold any barbecue, but you've been doing maybe some cooks on the side. Yeah, so, in, in the meantime, I'm looking for any excuse any weekend to load this thing up. And uh, we cooked for a neighbor's birthday party. It was basically, if, if somebody would provide the meat, I would provide the cook. Um, and I, I think at that point, I was... I was you know really trying to to get as much experience as i could and work out the kinks and every cook every cook you know that's at the point where you're doing one thing different to try to figure out and taking notes and really trying to get things dialed in key key thing here not to jump too far off but taking notes so that's absolutely you see that in some of the better pitmasters um, understanding all the variables but not just winging it every weekend but actually learning from it writing it down so you can refer back to it right that is right i mean it, it doesn't make sense not to at that point. I mean, if you're going to devote that much time, if, if you want to get better, uh, there, there's no other way than to at least kind of know what you did to, to yield the results that you got this weekend versus last weekend. So I, I did take a lot of notes. I had a spreadsheet going at one point um, with, you know, uh, rub, uh, start weight, finish weight, cook time, all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, I, w- I was trying to get better. And, and in the back of my mind, I don't think I told anybody, but in the back of my mind, that I, I wanted to try to sell barbecue. So I find this, uh, you could hardly call it a food trailer, but it was a food trailer on Craigslist, and it was a carny wagon. Um, it, it looked like a homemade single-axle trailer, uh, you know, wood floor, that then maybe the next guy had homemade into an enclosed food trailer, and it had 360 degree um, windows. So bottom bottom four foot was sheet metal, top four foot was windows, and uh, it was super top heavy. And it had zero equipment in it other than a three basin sink and and a you know a, a water system. And the guy wanted, I think it was listed for four thousand dollars. And I went and looked at it, and they had been selling Mexican corn out of it. Uh, and they would take it to street fairs and things like that. And and they were, he wanted to sell it because he had just bought a, a nicer, newer food trailer. But the key was it was already permitted with the county health department. So all that was required on my end was a change of name. And I didn't have to go through the actual application process. So the guy wants $4,000. I offer him $2,500 and he takes it on the spot. <laughs> And the tires are flat, so I had to figure out a way to get the tires aired up. And I drug that thing home on a Saturday. And I called. Did it have signage on it for the it, street corner? It did, yeah. So uh, on our on our social media page, um, there's a picture. It was called the Sonora Two, and there was a hand painted mural of a uh, cob of corn <laughs> on the side, um, and it was green. The background color was green, and then and then you had this bright yellow ear of corn. Um, so I dragged that thing home, and I called Mallory on the way, and I said, "Hey, I just bought this food trailer." She had no idea this no, time. She had, she had no idea. <laughs> and um, her her mom and sister, coincidentally, were coming to town the same day, and so she calls them, and she she told them, "You know, don't freak out when you get here. Like we have this huge, like shoebox of a food trailer parked in the side yard." And Arnis has got a plan. <laughs> like, and did her mother know you'd been cooking barbecue at she, all? Or, so yeah. they, they didn't think you were going to go into the corn business. That's kind of a running, not joke, but we talk about there was a time like way before I, I even got into electric smoking that um, 
we were watching one of those silly barbecue shows on TV, and I and I had mentioned something about one day I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cook barbecue, and that was at the time everybody was kind of like ah, we'll see about that, and um, I I'm sure I didn't really even mean anything by it other than man that'd be nice if you could just cook barbecue every day. So I've got this uh, food trailer, and in it, so I've I've invested now this twenty five hundred dollars in this trailer, and, and in my mind it's like I gotta. I gotta get this thing making money as soon as I can. So I went to Home Depot and bought uh, like outdoor fence panels. And instead of repainting it, because uh, I don't have the patience for painting, I just put wood siding all around that thing and built a, a wood awning with a tin roof and got the change of name through the health department. Um, I they it was a little bit of work. Uh, getting them to sign off on the pit so what what pit and how did you fit it in there it was the original pit and I, I had to park the two side by side um and you put a 320 gallon pit in there no no no. i parked the two units because oh, okay. it, okay. it was a mobile unit the 320 was a mobile so i parked them side by side and it it looked great on the side of the road i mean it, it really looked like a southern barbecue trailer <laughs> um so somewhere in there we're we're ready to go four or five days out and um we're trying to figure out a name and one of we had just had our little girl she was uh she just turned one and and her name is is evelyn may and we called her evie and one of our neighbors suggested evie may and uh so that that name kind of stuck at the time we we wanted something that sounded like a barbecue joint and evie may's pit barbecue sounds pretty legit so we definitely does today. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> we've we've grown into the name, I guess. Um, so we set up on the side of the road. We've got a wooden sign in there hanging on the on that banister that my mother-in-law hand painted, and that was the sign on the trailer. Um, and I think the the morning that we set up, real quick, going back a little bit further, we uh, I, I was growing up on the farm. And there was a Ag Chem uh, dealership there that, that my dad always got chemical and fertilizer from. And uh, the, the gentleman that owned that sold out uh, somewhere around the time that I moved to Tucson, and he got into barbecue. He started out, uh, he did a few competitions, and then he just, you know, kind of the same deal. He just had a real passion for it. And he ended up putting in a barbecue restaurant in Farwell, Texas, the barbecue shop. So whenever I was, uh, you know, tinkering with all this and thinking about it, I, I had given him a call and, and picked his brain a little bit. Um, and he, he was open one day a week on Thursdays. And that just, the barbecue shop at that point. One day a week on Thursdays. So <laughs> we, we have some talk about uh, convenient barbecue hours for the consumer versus the, the owner, which uh, is understandable in many cases. But And, and for him, I mean, it, it was a... It wasn't just a hobby restaurant, but that's kind of how it started. I mean, he was, it was for him to, to, to do what he wanted to do. And I don't know how he landed on Thursdays, I, um, but that, that was a winning formula for him. And at the time, Farwell, Texas was as far as, as my barbecue knowledge, uh, Texas barbecue knowledge extended into the state. I, I hadn't, that was before a lot of the stuff about Franklin had come out. Um, that was before 
I don't know if Daniel Vaughn, I mean, he was probably in the process of writing his book, but he had not, I was not familiar with his blog or anything. So I just, I didn't know. And, and I talk a lot about our, what we're cooking now was, has, to my knowledge, very little influence from anywhere other than what, what we kind of developed on our own. And I'm very proud of that. We see green chilies in the sausage and in yeah, the, the, the grits. Mexico so that influence probably is, came is from New Mexico as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, and even in our process, and, and, you know, I know everybody uses salt and pepper, um, and, and that's, we use salt and pepper. Um, but it, I'm proud of the fact that I didn't watch a bunch of YouTube videos, and I'm, I'm not just trying to do what somebody else did before me. I'm, I mean, we're, we may be doing it by default, but it's not because we saw somebody else do it. Um, so what was that, that, first, that first service you did? What was well, on the menu? Okay, so, so back to the barbecue shop. He, his winning formula was one day a week. So I thought we could do barbecue one day, <clears throat> one day a week and still, still take care of the landscaping business. So of course I chose Thursday, you know, that was working in Farwell, Texas. Why wouldn't <laughs> it work in, in Tucson, Arizona? So we, uh, we make plans to be open on a Thursday, uh, there at a, um, public golf course that had been shut down. And I went out at about 11 o'clock the night before and trimmed three briskets and uh, got them cooking and stayed up all night which these days is pretty late to get them on the pit right? oh yeah yeah um and about the time the sun was coming up the next day i got the the most nervous feeling in my stomach i mean i was physically ill and all i wanted to crawl into a hole and light that thing on fire and go home like what, I, what year was this this would have been 2004 Fourteen? No, no, no. This was this was, yeah, 2014. What kind of? Did you have any kind of publicity or anything leading up to that? No, no. Just just roll up and, and throw the, the sign out. Parked on the side of the road. I had taken everything down the day before, so it, it you know it was sitting there, and I, I don't know how many people might have driven by and wondered what what's up with this. Um, but at the same, I didn't want a lot of people to show up. You know, um, I I needed to test the waters and see what that was all about. But I I was scared to death. I if if it would have been easier to just drag everything home, I, I, I definitely would have just gone home. But um, I think we had one brisket that was almost ready by 11 o'clock that we served from, uh, and that was enough. We didn't have a big crowd that day. And uh, the other two briskets, they didn't come off till like 10 o'clock that night. <laughs> and uh, you cooking at 225 back oh, then? Still? Of course, yeah. That's the magic number, isn't it? Um, so... I can't remember exactly. I think that we went back out the next week. Um, but by the next week, there was already, you know, maybe the 20 people that had come out, they had told some people, and there was, we were generating a little bit of buzz in the area. And um, going back to that first day, I, I remember in the trailer, I didn't have, the trailer came with a, a four pan steam table, and two of those worked, and two of them didn't. <laughs> and so we hot held everything in that steam table and I had just enough room in there to stack up two cardboard boxes and set my my uh, uh, cutting board on top of that so I worked that first day on on cardboard box cutting board cut table Wow um, and I I wish that we would have documented more of that at the time but it, you know we had no idea of knowing that anything like this was ever gonna happen but so was it just brisket on the menu at that we, time? Uh, no we did brisket pulled pork um, 
I've done plate ribs from day one, and I we we'd cook a rack. I'd buy a, a cryvac pack from Sam's of four and cook one rack, wrap the others up tight, and put them in the freezer and pull them out to defrost. So that'll last us a month. Um, but we, uh, I think we set up the next week, and we got we got to the point where we were still doing one day a week. Um, I came. Your, your sites back then were were still glu- were gluten free because of they, that whole shift with celiac disease, yes. right? Yes, and then we didn't get into that. But um, yeah, everything at that point was gluten free. We were not doing. We didn't have any hot sides. We we did these smoked beans because uh, I could cook them on the smoker, and we did potato salad and coleslaw, um, and St. Louis trim pork ribs, brisket, and pulled pork, and a rack of beef ribs a day. And that, that was our menu, as long as we were in the trailer. Um, and midway through that summer, that would have been, I think, April. It was in March that I went to Albuquerque and cooked at my buddy's house. By the end of April, we were setting up on the side of the road. And that summer, you know, just got more and more involved. And I was, we'd, we'd make six or 700 bucks, and I'd reinvest that and piece of equipment i ended up finding a little cvap a cabinet uh under cabinet cvap in phoenix had a buddy go pick that up and uh then that that's when it became oh you know i can cook it and i can hold it and out there are our that's crowd, a game changer yeah no that i mean a lot of people can cook it not a lot of people can hold it and not a lot of people i i don't think people put uh the importance on on holding that it deserves because you can have a perfect cook and once it sits in a dry holding environment it'll it'll destroy it i think that's a, a huge separator um, because you can have great barbecue at 11 o'clock fresh off the pit or a little bit you know four hour rest but if you if you do it at two o'clock three o'clock and it's dried out it's a completely different experience for people and and holding and how people have held has really changed over the last few years and it's in, it's improved the product in, at Bodacious, we had we had brisket at 5:30, that was literally better than what we had when they opened. I mean, it was it's amazing how well you can hold stuff and how it transforms the meat. Oh yeah, I I went to a there's I, I are you guys familiar with Little Miss Barbecue? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. He he holds everything comes off by five o'clock the evening before, and he holds from that point to service time the next day right. and it is phenomenal right. well, i won't and, i won't out the pitmaster publicly but we have seen a pitmaster of a very high very top barbecue joint at snows eating at eight o'clock in the morning when he's opening at 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> who's cooking and there's the only way you can do, yeah there's only one way that's happening well but i mean i'll i'll vouch for it, it it's it's a fantastic yeah. product i yeah. mean and and i think i think everybody that is doing it really well right now has there there's some little kink in their process and be it be it extended holding um whatever it is there's something that they're doing just a little bit different in the process because it's not it's not flavor profile um and if it is flavor profile it's not coming from the seasoning that's on it but from the cook process um and people are just figuring out how to do things better and and we're not holding on open pits um you know i there was a time when people were holding in, in warming pits, unwrapped, sitting in those pits, yep. constantly getting heat throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so you know, we, I, I think uh, we've spent more money here at the restaurant on warming ovens than anything else. Those, those are not cheap. 
And, and a good quality one because how they introduce moisture or how they hold moisture is really critical as well. That's right. And we've got we've got two inside and we've got three out here in the pit room. Uh, again, it's kind of like the cookers. If, if you can isolate things and, and really treat things the way that that individual piece needs to be treated, you know, brisket's a whole different than ribs, a whole different than pulled pork, a whole different than turkey. Um, and so... I my theory is if we're gonna if we're gonna go to the trouble to cook it, I don't want to ruin it after it's already done. So um, we've we've invested heavily in in holding. Um, so, so that was an upgrade on your trailer. Yeah, Still got, in Tucson. We got the CVAP in the trailer, and it, it, it had become this thing. Uh, somewhere in there, we we went from Thursday to Friday, and so we were only open on Fridays then. Um, I had gotten. We had to have a commissary out there, so I had, I was renting walk-in space and kitchen space from a little family restaurant, and um, <clears throat> they were actually letting me order through their food purveyors too, which was really nice. Um, and I was starting to see pretty quick that barbecue business is a lot of work on any scale. Yeah, there's that huge change, which which everybody talks about, right? You're you're cooking in the backyard, you're cooking for friends. It's kind of fun. It's an event. You're only doing it maybe once a month or every other week. Even if you're doing it weekly, and, and you got time to rest and relax, watch TV, you flip that to doing it, you know, as a business, even one day a week. And there's a lot of prep. There's a lot of prep work before, all night, and then serving, cutting, and then cleaning up. It's it's a huge change from, you know, having a good time and, and maybe having your wife help you clean up to the day-to-day grind. Oh, very much so. And, you know, I, I think when I was just tinkering with barbecue, I don't know that I ever cooked a lunch meal it was always you know get up at four o'clock in the morning in hopes of having stuff ready for a six o'clock dinner um so then you flip that to trying to do roadside lunch meal and and that i mean that shifts everything um and i don't as it was becoming more of a job at that point i never dreaded it I always, every week, I still look forward to it. I, I would go down on uh, on Thursday, early afternoon, and do all my prep work and trimming, um, and then come in late Thursday and after after the kids were in bed and and start cooking. And I just I never got tired of it. And and somewhere in there, I thought I think I think that I'm good enough at this and enjoy it enough that. I want to work towards a, a nicer trailer, like where I could do more, where I, we're more mobile. Uh, this thing uh, was really, really top heavy, and, and you couldn't really go down the road with it. So um, I wanted to get something that we could we could branch out and, and maybe start doing some catering and, and roadside stuff, you know, or, or uh, street fairs and things like that, where we could go into town with it. So I uh, started pricing nice nice food trailers with uh with back porches that we could put a smoker on and they're not cheap no they're not and so um fully kitted 30 forty thousand dollars around there most definitely um we at we were kind of going through a personal transition here in that summer of um 14 we had a, a one and a half year old we were 600 miles away from family i was finding more passion in in my one day a week job than I was in my six day a week job and we were trying to figure out what what to do we'd put our house on the market in hopes of upgrading there there in Tucson and we sold our house and and now all of a sudden it was man we 
we have an opportunity. Like we could leave. We we've got nothing tying us down other than this business. Um, and so we uh, we had an opportunity to sell our business, and we were gonna. My my parents had relocated here to Lubbock. Um, they had sold the farm somewhere in between there and and reinvested in rental properties here in Lubbock. And so they came over here and, and they were paying a management company to manage these properties. And I thought we could move to Lubbock. I could help them out and do that and do barbecue on the side again. And we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll just figure it out. At that point, all we, we knew that we wanted to get closer to family and however, however we did it, it didn't really matter. So we, uh, we were able to sell the landscaping business and basically break even. And in, in that breaking even, buy a trailer. And so I bought a very basic trailer. I didn't get any cooking equipment in it, just counter sink. Uh, I bought a, a prep refrigerator to put in it. And then I had plans to build a smoker to put on the porch. And um, got the trailer in December of 14 and moved to Lubbock in December of 14 and ended up... Um, you know, working on smoker and putting that trailer together. And I had committed to a cooking for a wedding first week of January, I think. So, I mean, it was every time I do something, it's, it's, you know, I've got a very narrow window to complete the project <laughs> in order to, to, to make it. At this point, Harness, you have moved to, uh, you and Mallory have moved to Lubbock with the kids. Um, you've got a brand new trailer. You've got a pit in your mind, but you haven't built it yet. Uh, what were the next steps? Uh, you know, uh, designing the pit and trying to get that all figured out. Um, I was I was up against the clock. I had committed to a, a wedding catering within a month of, of all this, so I knew I had to get it done. Um, <clears throat> I I built that pit I think in in a week and put it on the trailer, and, and the back end of the trailer sagged to the point that the doors on the porch wouldn't close. This is a 500-gallon pit this time? This is a 500-gallon pit with a with a big uh, vertical cabinet over the firebox. And and you had a, instead of the standard round top, you had cut that off? And- I for, for capacity purposes, I had squared out the, the tank to have square cabinet-style doors uh, and, and to have more space on that top, top grate. Um, <clears throat> so... I, I went into panic mode a little bit, uh, now having this trailer that was un, untowable uh, with the, the big gullwing doors up all the time. Um, but I, I was able to find the, the, the manufacturer of the fender uh, trim and the axles and all the suspension components. And so went to work uh, putting a, a third axle on there to, to to get some support right underneath the the smoker and you welded those on yourself the axle yeah um you can't afford to pay anybody to do anything in barbecue (laughs) um so i i got that all on and and it was a success like i mean at this point in the whole process there have been way too many things that that came together so beautifully that at at this point i was really starting to think that like this was my destiny like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And and that was, I mean, it, that happens to this day. I mean, and that, that's a great, uh, great feeling to think that, you know, I, we've been really, really blessed and stuff just keeps happening for us. 
Um, you know, and not to deter too much, but I know Andrew. Yeah, we've heard that. You know, that's it's funny. It's a it's a different story from everyone we talk to, but it's a common story of how it's almost a calling and things kind of fell into place where you know where things that shouldn't have happened the way they happened just just fell into well, place. And the, the right and people, the pride, right and the customer service, and oh, your staff. I mean, yeah. it, it reflects, and you can see that. You know, last night walking in, you, how attentive your staff was, the mood they were in. I mean, it, it's it it flows, and it, it really just continues to expand on the experience which is great well and and so at this point in the game i'm I'm, i just feel like you know whatever whatever roadblock pops up we're going to figure out a way to blow through it and um got the cooker ready and this the the catering gig was back in new mexico and the day before we got like the biggest snowstorm we'd had in my adult life and i I think we had like 12 or 15 inches of snow on the ground so brand new smoker that I've done nothing but season. I haven't put a single piece of meat in it. Um, I cooked for I think 350 people, and it was it was all good. I mean, I don't know how good it was, but at the time it was all good. And um, brisket, chicken ribs. Uh, we did brisket, pulled pork, and I think that was it for that one. Um, <clears throat> from that point came back over here and I was looking for a place to kind of mobilize. I needed a place to store the trailer. I needed a place to store equipment and, you know, dry goods and all that. And so we were looking for some a storage unit. Um, Lubbock had an outdated ordinance that food trailers couldn't set up in Lubbock, Lubbock proper unless they were in an, an industrial zone. So they were actively trying to uh, resolve that issue whenever you know right there in the first quarter of of 15 but that was keeping us out of Lubbock and um, so we found a little storage unit which is just right up the way Um, and it was it was a front unit and a back unit each of them were uh, 40 by 20 and price was very reasonable and I thought this is this is perfect we can park the trailer in the back we'll have this other little space up front where if, if we need to meet with a a potential uh, catering client, they can come in and sit down with us. And 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 if if at some reason or if at some point we ever had a reason to have a dining room, you know, we've got some space here. And so that was it. We we rented the place and uh, continued to work on putting the business together. And um, I, I turned the back end of that into kind of a pantry, and I had a three basin sink back there where we could do a lot of our dishes and things like that. That was one of our questions, which is which is why Wolferth, but that definitely explains it. Yeah, yeah. that explains it. Yeah, it was it was, again, kind of going back to the way things happening. Uh, man, everything was just so organic in in the evolution of, of what we've become. And at this point, the business is just you and Mallory. It's just it's you're just doing all the cooking. The business is non-existent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We're still trying to figure out how to how to do it. Um, but we had our space now, and we. Uh, you know, once a week I'd call uh, City Hall and, and, and ask, you know, what, what's going on with this? Uh, is there any way that we could set up? And, and it was basically, yeah, you can set up at special events. Uh, they were doing food truck roundups once a month. And, um, but they, and they kept saying, you know, that, that we should have this taken care of soon. Um, but, you know, we, we needed to start trying to turn a profit. Um, so... We got to the point where all of our permits were in place, uh, all of our business <clears throat> stuff was taken care of, and we were we were ready to open. And um, 
so we just parked the trailer in front of the storage unit, and we didn't advertise. I was going to say, no, no social media, no, no real publicity. We put that sign out by the road, morning of. <clears throat> and We'll and post look, that sign on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's just a blackboard with the word BBQ on it. That's and I, it. Think, I think Mallory painted that um, like an hour after we opened that day. <laughs> but we couldn't figure out why people weren't stopping. <laughs> um, so... Uh, we opened up on, I, I think it was February, I said earlier, I think it was February 28th, I believe. And it was a beautiful winter day. Like it was, it was calm and fairly warm and we had a decent turnout, uh, decent enough that we, we were encouraged by it. And, and our plan at that point was to be open two days a week. So that was a Wednesday. So we were open on Wednesday, then we were going to be open on Thursday. Science. Farwell. <laughs> uh, market research studies prove that Wednesdays and Thursdays are the best. Um, no, so I, I don't know why we chose those days. I, I think at the time, uh, I think we thought that Saturdays wouldn't be good because nobody's going to come out to Wolferth on a Saturday. We, we, we were dependent on the, on the working man. Right. What, what else is out in Wolferth? So I, I don't, I mean, obviously there's not much out in this part of the state anywhere, but. It's, I mean, it, it's a bedroom community. For one, but they're they're up up the road just where the storage unit was. Like that's kind of an industrialized space. There's a there's a Miller Metal Building uh, uh, store, and then um, our our actual landlord there and here, uh, he owns a, a build a metal building component uh, big shop. So you know there, there's a little bit of stuff, some mechanic shops and things like that. So workman uh, lunches, blue yeah, collar guys, and a, and a lot of ag business too. Gotcha. It's definitely growing too. As it be, right. It's becoming a suburb, so timing also another thing. Excellent timing as but well. Even at this point, that was a temporary, like shop setup. I, we we didn't intend on being there long term. That was just we wanted to get things sorted out, uh, figured out, out here in Wolferth before we you know went and found a busy intersection in Lubbock somewhere. Um, it didn't take us very long to realize it would be really hard to to be truly mobile in in a barbecue trailer and do things the way that we were doing um for one electricity and having to carry a generator and all that and and two like just all the prep work and um cold storage and everything that you need i mean we're barbecue is is big meats big cookers big tools big everything and uh, they take up a lot of space in a trailer so um we we we're still waiting on Lubbock to figure out their deal, and, and we had been set up out there since February. And um, each week was a little bit better, but but it business was not growing at a very rapid pace. And we we felt like okay, we've we've kind of got things dialed in. We could do more now, but we don't have the crowds. And we were really starting to stress out about our next move and where we should go and do we need to. Uh, find a place in Lubbock to park and and do we need to even even if we uh, needed to look at stuff outside of mobile food vending in order to set up in Lubbock um, so we were the I mean, once you once you get past that you know that original phase where you're just making a little bit of scratch and putting it back into the business over and over you, you've got to get to a profitability and consistency step and that's that is hard to make that leap yeah you can you can only throw away so much money every week um 
kind of going back. So that first week that we set up, it was everything was great. The next two weeks that year, we were blizzards. Like on two days a week, it would it would be like sunny five days a week, and then two days a week that we were set up, it'd be freezing cold and snow. So that that put a damper on things. Um, and then we were sitting there middle of early May trying to figure out what our next move was going to be how how could how could we survive this this business and, and keep pursuing our may of 2015 career. yeah that was in in may of 2015 and um daniel vaughn showed up on may 8th uh daniel vaughn the the editor of texas monthly and it was a morning a little bit like this it was it was not raining real hard but it was cooler and misty and uh at the time we were opening at 10:30 in the morning and he showed up at 10:30, and he was the only person there. He he had brought a guest, but they were the only people there. And um, we recognized him, but we didn't let it on. I mean, we we served him and and kind of gave him his space, and we didn't have another customer for probably an hour and a half that day. So Mallory went in and checked on him and made sure that they were good and didn't ask a whole lot of questions. And then I went in and introduced myself and chatted with him a little bit and. Um, it was apparent that he was, I wouldn't say he was excited, but I mean, he, he seemed satisfied with his meal. They were taking a lot of pictures and that was all new to us. Um, and they left and, and Mallory and I thought, man, like this, this could be it. Like this could make or break us, whatever, whatever comes from this visit. Was, was this the one with Robert Lerma? Or no. Just, this was well, okay. So, uh, Lerma came out the next day. He was, he was on a, on a trip, uh, headed to Lubbock anyway. And so he swung by the day after Daniel Vaughn came uh, and took some pictures. And, and he was actually the one that got Mallory set up on Instagram, which I, if, if any, anybody listening follows us on social media, um, Mallory has an unbelievable gift for uh, social media presence and, and pictures and all that. So, uh, you know, that, that can all kind of go back to, if not for Lerma popping in that day, we, <clears throat> we may not even have an Instagram account right now. So... Um, <clears throat> The next day, we're sitting in the trailer, Mallory and I, waiting for our first customer, and I go to tmbbq.com, and there's a picture of our trailer, and and, and uh, Daniel Vaughn had posted a review less than 24 hours after his visit, and um, it's like it, the whole hearing your song on the radio <laughs> thing for the first time. Like, I read it, and I was like kind of tearing up because I mean that that's an emotional thing. Like the, starting a business. Uh, the way that we did, it, it was really an emotional, fatiguing event at that point, and and everything leading up to it, and, and all, it it hadn't been a long time, uh, you know, from February to May, but to us, we were we were at the breaking point. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't have gone two two weeks more at the pace that we were going, and uh, so he posts that review, and within 15 minutes. <clears throat> this guy like comes barreling off the highway and he's like, oh, I just got a tweet about this place. Like, cause he, cause he followed Daniel Vaughn. He's like, I had no idea that you guys are out here. And I mean, it was, that was at that point we, uh, we were, we had changed our days to Thursday, Friday. He came on a Thursday, posted the, the review on Friday. That Friday was a decent day by the next, by the following week. That's when we started selling out. I mean, that's when we started having lines and uh man from that point on it was like 
it, it was unbelievable. And I and I've you know I've I've told Daniel Vaughn like several times. You know, thank you for for coming out and for for reviewing us. And he you know he he says, well, you guys y'all are the ones doing the work. You're the ones cooking the food. I just showed up. But a lot of people, I think there's there's probably hundreds of guys out there that have done just what we've done that cook great food and they just never they never have the opportunity to get the exposure and and they they can't tread water long enough to get it and then they tank so um and and, you know there are there's obviously a lot of barbecue hounds out there looking for that you know that little place tucked away in the corner but uh, you know, to go to social media, I mean, that's people underestimate the power of that as right. well. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of negatives about social media, but there's plenty. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of positives too. It can help grow your business. It can help shine a light on your business, as obviously was the case with this. And you have someone of Daniel Vaughn's credibility go to your place and 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 say the things he said. You know, it does lend a whole. You know, it does shine a bright light on yeah. you guys. And it was, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough that in in my mind that. His visit was the catalyst. We're going to need to stop there to end part one. Make sure you tune back in for part number two of our interview with Arnest Robbins of Evie Mays Barbecue. Also, make sure to check us out on Instagram. And if you get a chance, please rate the show. We'll catch you back on the other side.